it's Allie Burks, the worship leader for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based out of Chatham County, North Carolina, committed to being with and for one another, our community, and our world. In this time of social distancing, we continue to gather virtually for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. over Facebook Live and YouTube. So wherever you find yourself, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, you have a place at the local church, and we'd love for you to join us. Our scripture this morning comes from Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. You Israelites, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by your own power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the Holy and Righteous One, and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see now. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you in ignorance as did also the rulers in the way God fulfilled what had, what he had foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Messiah pointed for you. That is Jesus who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. This is, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let the light keep shining 
Let's pray. God, we give this time to you. We set aside this time, this common time for a common purpose. So that you would move in our lives. We create space for surrender, for freedom. That you might hold us and guide us. In this time set apart, help us to rest, oh God. Help us to be easy, to not feel the pressures of this world, to not feel the burdens that we carry. Lighten our load, O oh God. Help us to rest in you this day and experience the freedom that comes from true surrender. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who, uh, who taught us what it looks like to surrender, to give up his life in vulnerability and humility for the sake of the world. It's the way of love, oh God. And so empower us and equip us by your spirit to move in that way, to step into that direction. Let this moment right now be a beginning, oh God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you, uh, friends, joined us for Easter Sunday, either online or in person, you'll remember uh, that I ended my message that day talking about how in Mark's gospel, Mark's biography of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the, the whole story just ends super abruptly. Do you remember that? Not only does Jesus not appear to the women at the tomb, but the women leave the tomb in fear and in silence, telling no one about what they've seen. I said on Easter Sunday that the ending of Mark's gospel feels abrupt because it's not an ending at all. It's a beginning. It's not an ending at all. It's a beginning. But I want to pick it up today and ask a pretty logical follow-up question with you, a question that you might have had when you left on Easter Sunday morning. 
uh, a question that I hope was ringing in your ears, a question I'd love to consider together or at least begin to consider, and that question is this. The beginning of what? The beginning of what? You know? If resurrection is a beginning, then a natural follow-up question would be, the beginning of what? And the short answer is it's the beginning of the new uh, of the possibility of, of new life for you. It's the beginning of the possibility of new life for you and not just for you, but for your community and for the world, a world set right, a world repaired, a world redeemed, a world made whole. Because the same power that raised Jesus to life and defeated death and conquered evil is the same power at work in you right now. And I say the possibility of because we have to say yes to it. It's not a given. We, we have to respond. But the thing is that, that this yes brings with it some no's too. And that can be really, really hard. So that's the short version. And here comes the longer answer. <laughs> and really just the beginning of it. The longer answer. This week's scripture uh, comes from a book uh, called The Acts of the Apostles. It's, it's in the Bible, in the New Testament of the Bible, the second half of the Bible, basically, that features stories and letters all concerning Jesus and the life of God's people in light of the resurrection moment. Acts of the Apostles specifically tells the story of the church in its infancy. It's the beginning. It picks up the story post-resurrection, the beginning of God's people learning how to live and play and be together in light of this paradigm-shifting, world-changing event. It's a story of a people learning what it means to follow Jesus. I've always liked to say that, that, uh, that, that for the earliest Christ followers, the, the story of Acts is like um, watching these fledgling disciples put a bike together while riding it, a symbol of bike while riding it. They're learning as they go, you know? And here in this story that the Wells fam read so well, Lyra and Lucy and John, thanks for that. By the way, we heard Jack there too, a little bit in the background. Uh, but in this, in this story, we, we get a sermon from Peter. At this point, Jesus has been resurrected. He has ascended so as to live always and everywhere and every time and in every place, ascended to heaven. And he has sent his power among the people in the form of the Holy Spirit, constituting this people as the church. That's the, the Pentecost moment that we'll celebrate in uh, just a few weeks. And so the disciples, including Peter, uh, are learning what it means to live with this power, this spirit of God. And, and so in uh, the section right before the reading that we got for today, Peter and John were on their way to the temple to worship. And at the entrance of the temple, they come across this man, this man who had been crippled since birth. He was brought to this temple entrance each day and each day he'd ask for and often receive at best a little food, a little money from those who are entering the temple or at worst their stares, their piety, their self-righteousness, their scorn, their avoidance altogether. And there's this moment in the story when the man sees Peter and John and, and Peter and John see this man and they, they exchange gazes, this beautiful moment, their, their attention fixed on each other. The man seeing Peter and John vulnerable and open to being seen. Peter and John seeing this man, really seeing him as a human being, beloved, a child of God. So much happens in that shared gaze. Don't, don't underestimate the power of, of locking eyes, of, of the connection that can happen when you really see one another. Don't estimate that. Underestimate that. 
And Peter says to the man, I don't have any money to give you. I don't have any money to give you. That's what he says to this man, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. It's this high drama moment then as Peter reaches out to this man to touch him and raises him to his feet. And his feet and ankles get strong, the story says, and he can dance and walk and jump. And and then he goes to the temple with Peter and John. He walks into the temple, a miracle. And everyone is amazed because they knew that this man was the one who had been crippled, the one who was unable to walk, the one who hung out at the, at the entrance to the temple. It's truly a miraculous healing. I've been watching a lot of Marvel movies recently, and this passage feels a lot like that, that moment where the hero discovers their newfound power and is trying it out to see what it can do. You know, Peter Stark taking the Iron Man suit for a spin, basically, or, or Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Amazing. Amazing. But, but anyway, the story goes that, that this healed man is clinging to Peter and John there in the temple. And people have flocked to them, astonished, wondering how this can be, what sort of magic this is, wanting to see who made it happen and how. And that's where we pick up the story. That's when Peter starts talking. He loves to preach. Peter's always so quick to get a word in. He wears his heart on his sleeve. You got to love him. You know a Peter. You know a Peter. And, and he says to the crowd, basically, my friends, fellow Israelites, you're wondering how this happened. You're staring at us, marveling at us as if it was our own power and piety that made him walk. But don't credit us. It wasn't us. And then he keeps on going. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant, Jesus. The one imprisoned and handed over and rejected and killed. The one whom God raised from the dead and by faith in his name. His name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. The faith that is through Jesus. In other words, Jesus' faith in this man, the faith of Jesus, has given him perfect health in your presence. That's what Peter says. That's what Peter says. Here, Peter is saying, you think it was us. It wasn't us. It was Jesus. Credit where credit is due. This was the power of God, the resurrection power of God that gave this man his new life. And here's the thing, y'all. I put myself in this crowd. Maybe you do too. And I think, okay, but really, how'd they do it? My mind wants the certainty. It wants the answers, the rational explanation. It wants to connect the dots. It doesn't love that we can't figure it out. It doesn't love the vulnerability and the discomfort that comes with leaning into the unknown. I remember this moment as a hospital chaplain, something you have to do sometimes uh, in your preparation to become a pastor. And, and there was this moment when I was in the hospital room of a family who had just lost a loved one suddenly and tragically, it was heartbreaking to be in that room. The air was thick. The grief was heavy. And when the family could catch their breath in between sobs, one of them looked to me, me, the one who supposedly represented the presence of God in that room. And, and one of the family members said, why? Why would God allow this to happen? 
And I just stood there. I had nothing. I had no good answers, no bad answers either. I had nothing. I couldn't even offer the canned responses that we often throw around to give us comfort in those moments. I had nothing except the same questions that she had. I, I too wanted the certainty, the answers, the explanation. I wanted to be able to connect the dots. And instead, all I could muster in response was, I don't know. I have those same questions too. And we stood there for a moment, a long, awkward, uncomfortable pause. And then she asked if I would pray, which is sometimes uh, a nice way of the family saying, go ahead and do what you need to do so you can get out of here. I, I said, of, of course, of course, I'll pray. That's a great idea. And I closed my eyes and, and I used my calm pastor voice to say, let's pray. But inside I was screaming. I was terrified because I had nothing, no words of my own. I was, I was paralyzed. I had no idea how I was going to pray. No idea what to say in this moment. No idea how I could bring comfort to this family in this situation. And I took a deep breath and I closed my eyes to pray. Not sure what, if anything, would come. And yet somehow. They did. Words did come for, for a solid three to four minutes. I prayed and I don't remember the words, but words came. Words of hope, words of comfort, words of healing, words of assurance, words of love. They, they just flowed somehow. And when it was over, I, I, I said, amen. And I opened my eyes and I thought, what just happened? They didn't ask where the prayer came from. I left the room, but they, they didn't ask where the prayer come from and, and, and how I did that. But if they had, I would have had no choice but to echo Peter and John and say, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. Here's the thing. Confession time. Will you receive my confession? <laughs> I can be a little, uh, a little uptight. A little angsty. I can get all in my head. My ego gets in the way. Some days I walk around with a, with a chip on my shoulder. And other days I'm skeptical and cynical. There are days too when I'm operating from a place of fear or hurt. And I keep my guard up. Fight to control what I can. And in these moments I lose my center. I, I become unanchored. I feel like I'm floating untethered. And in and, and those days I'll, I'll double down on that need for control for certainty, for power. I'll cling to what I can. I can become judgy and dismissive and grumpy as a result. Some of y'all have had the great joy of spending time with that Brent. He's super fun to be around. And when that happens, it's me crowding out the presence and power of God. It's me closing the door on the spirit. Closing the door, shutting the spirit out of the moments that make up my life. I'm denying what God can do in those moments. But in that hospital room that day, I had nothing. It was a moment of surrender, a moment when the only thing I could do was surrender and give myself over to the spirit. It was as if God finally had the space in my life, finally had the space in my life to do something. And so God said, scoot over, watch this. And when God finally had that space, the same power that raised Jesus is the same power that came through my words that day. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. 
near the end of his sermon in the passage that John and Lyra and Lucy read for us this morning, Peter implores the crowd to repent. Do you remember that? To repent. Go back and look. Acts 3 verses 12 through 21. To repent. And simply put, to repent is just that, to turn. It goes beyond moral contrition. It's more than saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is to adopt a whole new way of living, a whole new way of seeing. And that's what Peter is inviting the crowd to do. To see that it wasn't them who performed the miracle. It was the God of the universe who is present, who abides with them, who is standing ready to move in when we just scoot over and make room, surrender and make space for God to show up. So what might that look like for you? Where do you need resurrection today? Where do you need resurrection today? Where are the places you feel like you've done what you can do? When you and your own power have tried everything, places you feel out of control or empty, in what ways are you tight-fisted right now, clinging to fear, clinging to the past, clinging to your own desired outcome? Where is that for you? To, To surrender is to make space. To surrender is to make space. It's to open our clenched fists. It's to find strength in weakness, to discover power in humility, to encounter the divine in vulnerability. It's to say, God, I know I can't do this on my own. Bring resurrection here. This is the way of love. And when we make space, when we make that space, when we repent, when we surrender, God will say, ah, finally, scoot over. Watch this. The beginning of what? This, my friends, is the beginning. It's the beginning of being caught up in the movement of God. Giving up our own control, stepping out of our own fear toward God-given hopes and dreams, stepping out in faith toward that idea that vocation, that venture that you haven't been able to shake that's been persistent in the back of your mind. It's the beginning of freedom that comes from surrendering the outcome and following Jesus, like doing a trust fall, letting Jesus hold you and guide you and all your fear and all your quirks and your heartache, discovering along the way that salvation is found not in your spouse, not in your job or your fitness level or who your friends are, but your life is defined by Jesus. That's what happens when you make space and give him a chance to hold you. Beginning of a new life of purpose and meaning that emerges when we let our actions, our thoughts, our whole lives be shaped by the one who brings good news to the poor, release to the captive, sight to the blind, liberation for the oppressed, belonging for the marginalized. And to be clear, this surrender doesn't lead to inaction, but instead inspires us to action because when we surrender, when we make space and God starts showing up, things just start to hit different. We take on a new vision. That's what repentance is, a new vision. When we surrender to Jesus, it's he who compels us to speak out, for instance, about the sin of racism, the deaths of 20-year-old Dante Wright, 13-year-old Adam Toledo, and weep with their families and their community. It's Jesus who compels us to stand with LGBTQ friends and trans siblings in the face of dehumanization and attempts to deny and strip their sacred worth as children 
of God. These are just examples, but it's a whole new way of living. If only we make a little space and let the God of resurrection show up and be God. A few months ago, I was talking on the phone to a pastor friend about some things that I was dealing with, things I didn't know the answer to, things I felt paralyzed by, things I was fearful of. And at the end of our call, he asked if he could pray for me. He asked if he could pray for me. And at the end of his prayer, after praying for all the things that I named, all the things in general, all the things we talked about, at the end of his prayer, he said this. He said, so you do it, God. You do it. You do it, God. Amen. It was a a moment of surrender for me, a moment of trust for me, a nudge toward freedom. And it feels like a fitting way to end here, now, or maybe to begin. You do it, God. Amen. Hey, it's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about The Local Church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at localchurchpbo. Until next time, love where you are.